the work week, am I right? But do you know what would make it a little bit better? Doing church on a Sunday and then listening to a podcast about the sermon. Welcome to the Post-Sunday Blues, a preaching post-mortem, a production of Liberty Church Collingswood. Each week we'll spend some time unpacking Sunday sermonics, and we hope that you'll be able to connect a little deeper with the message and the messenger. It's a win, if we can make your work week a little less blue. House lights down. Welcome to the Post-Sunday Blues, a preaching post-mortem. Hello. We were at a concert the other night. That's true. First time in a while. House lights... House lights were down. I don't. I feel like they were down the entire time, which is why, like, I feel like we walked in and the lights were the same level of intensity. No, I think you just didn't quite perceive it because we were <laughs> literally in the VIP section. <laughs> well, the, the the, you were telling us the lowest of the VIPs. We, that, that, that's also true. We, so we were was the it? bottom rung of VIP. <laughs> It's kind of my sweet spot. What was the middle brow comment? <laughs> successfully middle brow. Oh, yeah, yeah, so yeah, we yeah, were. Yeah. We were successfully middle brow. Um, and I didn't notice the house lights going down. But I guess here we are. Uh, yes. House lights going down on the concert in which we are uh, looking in and digging deep into your brain, picking apart this sermon of yours this past Sunday. The Real March Madness. Yeah, and actually, we did have interesting balcony seats, because I guess being VIP kind of meant that mm-hmm. we were like, uh, we couldn't actually see the expressions on the on the people's faces. Like, the true VIPs could see the expressions and were on top. Yes. We were like on the side, but the, the side of, or behind them almost, actually, behind the... Balcony view. Yeah. Um, but we could see the like things that you don't usually see, like yeah, the interactions, down on the stage. interactions between the the um, what are musicians called? Musicians, <laughs> in fact, the band members. Right. Uh, you could see the keyboardists, the their fingers flying across the keyboards. Yeah, we're basically looking down on top of the band mm-hmm. from the side of the yeah, stage. It was, it was pretty great. It was interesting, um, but that's what we do here. Yeah, just to tell our listeners, it was the Spirit of Nola concert. At Ardmore Music Hall on the main line, it was sort of a lot of great New Orleans bands coming together to pay tribute to the recently deceased Dr. John and Art Neville. Highlight of the night for me was the original guitarist of The Meters, Leo Nocentelli, who's in semi-retirement from performance, was brought on stage to do a set of Dr. John songs on which he played the original recordings back in the mid-70s. Pretty incredible. It was... It was awesome. Yeah, probably. Yeah, you're right. The low light for you and me, but mostly also you because you felt it more viscerally <laughs> was the food because it was yeah. advertised as like these New Orleans, New Orleans food, and you had been like mouthwateringly thinking about a muffalata yeah. and a po' boy, and it was Pennsylvania versions of nola it was pretty disappointing from po boy to no boy that was the (laughs) that was the motto a slider with a piece of salami yeah yeah so so we were vips because we bought the food and drink package and it was a package (laughs) (laughs) now you know (laughs) um anyway we're we're really not our house lights aren't down yet so we've been we've been talking as if the house lights were on so let's Bring them down back into the sermon. Very true. Uh, and let's go to Call It Stormy Monday when we're uh, specifically thinking about why this sermon, why this Sunday. 
Yes, so we are still in the earlier stages of a sermon series on practices of presence in Lent as part of our Represence Initiative, and I circled around to preaching about gospel friendship, and I was thinking last week really just about how hard friendship is, I think in a lot of different levels, and so I was burdened going into the sermon, really wanting to dig into this idea that God values community. Jesus died for us to be in relationship with himself and with each other. And I think I mentioned at some point during the sermon, M, that part of the great resignation, part of the great sort that's continually going on in this pandemic era is that friendships are tending to, to reshuffle and people, mm-hmm. are, people are moving, people are reorganizing friend groups. And so this does seem to be a heavy time when it comes to friendship and relationship. Always hard getting harder, I mentioned in the sermon. And so, yeah, I was feeling the weight of those things. Sort of ironically, we had dear friends of ours from out of town from our church in Texas with us this whole weekend, which was a ton of fun. So I was, we were enjoying deep reconnection with friends that we've been friends with for a long time which was a real-time affirmation of the importance of community for us. Right. And I, I, I would hope that as pandemic um, boundaries are winding down, that, mm-hmm. that more people are experiencing this themselves. There are actually people aren't there on Sundays because yeah. we're, they're traveling to see friends and family again right. when we haven't for so long. So yeah. there is a level of like, I think we're all ready to hear this message and we're ready to to reconnect just because our hearts are longing for connection and community and friendship. Um, When you were choosing this message, you spent a little bit of time on why you uh, decided to bump it back up. Right. Do you want to talk a little bit about that more as you were like looking at the things you could have done? What, what got bumped out? The, I, I would have to go back. I would have to go back and check. I think I can actually do that in real time here. So there are about six, Sundays in practices or in Lent. And so with the practices of presence, I had to pick and choose which one. So practices of presence that we are trying to identify daily office, Sabbath, fasting, feasting, missional engagement, gospel friendship, generosity, service. I might be blanking out on some of the others and gathered worship. And so... I think generosity is one that 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 we're leaving. Wait, no, I see it there too. Um, the answer is I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that's... sorry, whatever practice of presence didn't. Oh, uh, Sabbath. It looks like at least is is not being talked about. Okay. So, yeah, uh, maybe maybe it was Sabbath. Maybe it was something else. But yeah, gospel. Point being, gospel friendship. I had originally said, I'm not going to deal with that this sermon series. Not because I don't think friendship is a good idea, but because we spent a whole ministry year talking about community last Mm -hmm. year in large part because of the pandemic but as eric mitchell and i were talking as we see people struggling with friendships we said hey let's go back and double down on this even though it's a subject that we talk about a fair amount and community is one of our three core values even so it is something that we beat the drum on a lot but just because we talk about it doesn't necessarily mean we're fully processing and doing everything that we need to do in terms of bringing it into reality. Yeah. And I like the framing of gospel friendship or using the word friendship instead of community, because I think there's like a nuance 
there that I appreciate. A friendship, I, I think that we can kind of say community, we can check it off as long as we're like part of a small group or something. Yeah. But I think a friendship is even deeper or at least different than a small group. That's interesting. So I actually don't remember why we landed on the language of gospel friendship instead of gospel mm. community or community. It's possible that we talk about community using the word community so much that it could be a little bit of white lo- white noise. So gospel friendship at least pops a little bit more because it's terminology that we use a little less frequently. And yes, we can say we're in community just by being in a room with people, perhaps maybe a little bit easier, but are we actually friends with them? Are, right. are, are we made doing the work to make those connections? Right. And that's, that is different. And that kind of, to me, it connects to presence of the Lord, Sun Studios. Yeah. The, the specific passage you use has the word friendship. It doesn't have the word of community. Is, is community in the Bible? I mean, there's communion of, uh, yeah, anyway. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> you're looking at me with that. That is a tangent, Emily. <laughs> no, it's fine. <laughs> but it's in there, koinonia can be specifically translated this passage is mm-hmm. it has friendship in it. Um, it has other things in it too. Tell us about this Bible passage. Hello, darkness, my old friends. <laughs> I've come to talk with you again, okay, Clara. Uh, Clara also again because of do do do. Was anyway. all over your singing and your your bad impressions every time. She, right, she like looked at me with the eyes like, "How could you have married this person?" <laughs> well, the the good news for our listeners, as you're listening to this particular episode, is that I have a cold right now, which means my voice sounds even better than it usually does. It's great. Yes. So, talking about community from its opposite from Psalm 88. So. At one point in the sermon, M, I I mentioned that we see in Psalm 88, which is a psalm of deep, deep, deep isolation and despair, the importance of community from its opposite. It's a photo negative of, of gospel friendship. And so there aren't a lot of specific external details in Psalm 88 about what's going on or in what's going on around the psalmist, but there is plenty of detail about what's going on inside the psalmist, namely despair. But the external details that we do have point to the fact that this person's alone. You have caused my companions to shun me. You have made me a horror to them. You have caused my beloved and my friend to shun me. My companions have become darkness. So hopefully it was clear enough, the connection that this is not a typical passage that I think that preachers will choose to talk about community Mm -hmm. but I think part of it was and so for these practices of presence I'm from scratch choosing different Bible passages this is not a sequential go through a part of the Bible sermon series here it's possible that I got burned out or already preached on a lot of passages related to community last year so just to change it up for myself I was looking for something new and I was drawn to this psalm because not only do we get a photo negative about community, but if we are feeling heaviness in relation to losing friendships or friendships being stressed, this is certainly a heavy psalm to pair it with. Right. And it honestly, it does have the ethos of the right, the thing that I was feeling it because I, again, like last week, I was still, ethos and um, pathos. right. I was still, um, and still am immersed in the Ukraine situation and subsets of that. So there's a certain level of imagining yourself in, in distress as you're reading the stories of, of people who are in those spaces and thinking about the, the value of 
actual friendship and not just community, but like actual friendship. And so this con and the yeah. concept of loneliness, it is interesting. I think all of us resonate with loneliness, even though you, you can look at someone and assume that they don't like that. It's still a very familiar human condition emotion that is a contrast to um, the, the call of Christianity to be in community that you right. have present in this psalm someone who is deeply lonely yeah yeah and many if not most of us if not all of us have been there at at one point or another in terms of presence of the lord thinking about this psalm and i did say this in the sermon but i am fascinated by how this is the only psalm at all of the 150 that we have that have no turn that have no happy ending and mm -hmm. that, that that's not a unique insight for me pretty much every bible scholar or psalm scholar Judaism and Christianity recognizes that, but still striking. This, mm -hmm. this is, and if you think about the Psalter, there are plenty of Psalms that give voice to a lot of pain and suffering right. and hardship and persecution. All of them have some turn and happy ending, except old Rocket 88 that we have here. Right. And so you, and you intentionally chose this one, the one. Oh, I went there. <laughs> I don't know. Um, so you you gave yourself a specific challenge. Mm -hmm. What? Wh why? I guess you've kind of told you've told us some about why, but like, mm -hmm. what what's the challenge yeah. there when you what you like to challenge yourself? So yes. I feel like this is a personal challenge to yourself, like bringing bringing something that doesn't have a hopeful turn. Yeah, it's it, it's interesting preaching from a photo negative, which is what this sermon was, and. Part of the what makes it easier is that this is a psalm from the Old Testament. And, you know, you do this with the New Testament, too, always bringing whatever Bible passage you're looking at back to the cross, fulfilled in Jesus crucified and resurrected. So in some ways, the turn of the psalm that is missing here is actually Jesus crucified and resurrected. So mm. I, I'm always intrigued by the connections to this central message of the Christian story, namely the gospel that Psalm 88 allows for us. And people say that that we shouldn't use negative motivation to do things, but in part, I was intrigued as well to engage the psalm from the perspective of community, specifically by way of negative reinforcement. Mm -hmm. Hey, it really, really sucks to, to be isolated and outside of community. You don't like feeling this way. Right. Let's do what we can to reach up to God that we don't feel this way and then also reach out to other people with some gospel motivation to, to rescue each other from, from these pits of isolation that we can find ourselves in. So not a fun psalm, but it was fun to write. <laughs> that's the, the bottom line. That's the twisted pastor that you have, the brain of Jim Anger. Ha <laughs> ha. Yes. Can we move on to muddying the waters? One no, thing. <laughs> presence of the Lord. I, I, I did field a couple of questions to address the whole shale thing and, and Abaddon. So there, there are multiple references in this psalm. I am counted among those. My life draws near to Sheol, counted among those who go into the pit. Is your steadfast love declared in the grave or your faithfulness in Abaddon? Are your wonders known in the darkness or your righteousness in the land of forgetfulness? What does this say about what we hold a Christian view of the afterlife, heaven and hell? This seems to be something different. So instead of a clearly defined 
post-life existence, heaven and hell, there just seems to be sort of what you have, this shadow existence that's maybe neither heaven nor hell, Sheol, Abaddon, darkness, the land of forgetfulness. What do we do with that? And so just briefly to, to lay out a few ideas, does, does this psalm fit with what Christian theology and Jewish theology, for the most part, has tri- traditionally described as what they see the Bible teaching about heaven and hell. There are three doors that you can go through, M, and I'll ask you Door which number one. one. Yes. One, you can just say, well, the Bible's not inspired by God. It's not infallible. It's full of mistakes. And this is just one guy's idea about what the afterlife may have been, and none of us know anything anyway. Okay, that door, I'm sure you're closing. Okay. So, door number two. Right. So because... We do hold to an infallible scriptures. How do we how do we honor this and take it truly as the word of God, while at least on the surface it doesn't seem to fit with other passages of scripture, especially in the New Testament. Doors number two and three, two basic os- options. You can say on one hand that this psalm is given from a very pessimistic perspective. And so while it's this guy is definitely pessimistic. Right. And and so while it's inspired by God, it's giving voice to doubt and pessimism regarding is any of this real as it as it relates to the afterlife. A a case in point there would be Ecclesiastes, Mm -hmm. where on the surface there are many things in the book of Ecclesiastes in the Old Testament that flat out contradict a lot of other things in the Bible, but you know, we don't freak out about that, and there's been centuries, millennia of interpretation saying, okay, this is inspired scriptures that within the overall symphony of the scriptures, God inspired pessimistic thoughts just as a way of giving voice to how people actually feel at different times. Mm-hmm. But just like anything, when you have a conversation with somebody, you just need to figure out why they're saying what they're saying and where they're coming from. So that, right. that's the pessimistic perspective. Okay, and door, and number, then door three. number three. It still comports with a high view of scripture to recognize at the same time that the New Testament gives more clarity to the plan of salvation than what the Old Testament gives. So the big picture concept there um, is Jesus crucified and resurrected is revealed fully in the New Testament, but not yet in the Old Testament, while at the same time, the Old Testament is still every bit as inspired by God as the New Testament is, but God has chosen to reveal himself truly in the scriptures and at the same time progressively with increasing clarity. And so is it possible that this occasionally more vague and less defined view of the afterlife is simply something that's clarified by the time you get to the New Testament. Sure. There you go. And you want my door? Uh, well, no, you don't you, want my door. <laughs> you can say one. I actually. So sorry to sorry to disappoint. I I'm not sure about between do it doors number two yeah. and three. So I, I would also like say I need to I need to research a lot more before yeah. I entered through one of those doors. Yeah. So Helen Wolves, what do you think? <laughs> doors number one, two, or three, sure. and I recommend two and three. Um, what's the praise song that we sing that has shale in it? I tend to to life oh, and no, shale no, 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 <laughs> in the darkness deep. Oh, there is nothing okay, between us. Out. Heart won't stop. Heart won't stop coming after me. That was your fault, Even baby. Shale. <laughs> I will not you tossed me the singing softball. Song. They hit a home run. <laughs> Let's move to muddying the waters, uh, engaging shale or otherwise... Um, 
<laughs> Shaoling the waters. Uh, you're trying to, you're looking at this sermon again. You're yep. constructing it at your, you've preached on the sermon again. You're reconstructing it. Yes. What did you find interesting as you, as you come to a different place, uh, reconstructing the sermon? Yeah. So, so I preached on this passage before, but it was so long. I, I may have preached on it maybe a couple of times, once in West Philly and then another time in Texas. I have no idea what I said then. So, so this is not a sermon. Seminary students can go back and interpret, <laughs> interpret the brain of Jim Anger by listening to all three sermons on That's the same. Right. Yeah. You could, like write your whole dissertation on it. Yeah, you can go find that <laughs> that landfill <laughs> halfway across the world that contains the only extant uh, co- cassette copies of the sermons in West Philly that have been lost forever, and I have no idea where the sermon archive is at. Oh, it's there. Providence Church in, <laughs> in Texas. So, yeah, not going to happen. Yeah, but context's trying to engage here, just wanting to give bandwidth and conversation to the fact that friendship is hard right now. I mentioned that friendship has always been hard and it's getting harder. I, I commended, and I want to save my bullets and not every Sunday, every sermon say, hey, you've got to read this, mm-hmm. but... I did try to put a little bit of weight behind this recent Atlantic article by Jennifer Senior. It's your friends who break your heart. That mm-hmm. to me, this is a bar bank company. is a, is a really rich vein of exploring how friendships are yeah. faltering. Yeah. Right now, I don't know if you've seen that article. Like I you, haven't, but I. Well, you know what? I probably have. I feel like I have. It's a pretty long read. Yeah. Um, I probably skim read it, and that's yeah. why it's not sunk deep. But the concept of how we can drop and add friendships really easily compared to other time periods that, yes. that definitely resonates. Yeah, and so there's a there's a pandemic level to that. There's a polarization level to that. There's uh, just an individualism level to that mm-hmm. where where we are much less re- you know we move around we far fewer of us live where we grew up mm-hmm. although in a place like south jersey there's plenty of those people yeah. but but even if on average we're we're less connected and less rooted than we used to be that increases our need for friends because we have less built-in family and community connections mm-hmm. but because we're so mobile and individualistic we're relying on friends more while being able to re- retain less friendships because we're so individualized right. so and it, you, it is this weird catch 22 and you also talked about our tendencies to pri- like to primarily have affinity friendships yeah um, the food I, group thing yeah which i definitely <laughs> Your food group analogy was definitely... It was, it was a perfect it's one. It's definitely uh, accurate. Perfect. <laughs> Jim is not making up the fact that he used to uh, ignore vegetables. <laughs> that is true. Um, Those vegetable vacations were nice. Yeah, but I did like Meaning that no you acknowledge that affinity groups, the carbs and the proteins, are still like important components. Yeah. And they might be easier, right? but um, they are just part of it part of the plate yeah i came to the food group analogy and what i said if people didn't actually hear hear the sermon so affinity-based friendships being friends with people that look like us are like us same age and stage same same cultural backgrounds etc treat it like a food group where yeah you need to have some affinity friendships because genuinely they are in some ways easier but if that's your only set of friends, like 
leaning on only and eating only one food group, that can become pretty deeply unhealthy pretty quickly. And so I, I like that analogy, not only because I could give a shout out to my aversion to vegetables, but, but also to give some nuance where we're neither saying, hey, if you hang out with people that are like you, that's just, that's evil, that's wrong, that's inherently 100% exclusionary all the way through. I, I do hear people say something like that. Maybe it's a little bit of a caricature, but but no, we shouldn't make people feel guilty for having affinity-based friendships, but we should also push people beyond them at the same time. So so trying to trying to capture a little bit of a of a both and there mm-hmm. while embracing the simple reality that affinity-based friendships, if you're not intentional about who and how you're connecting with other people, you're just going to fall back pretty much only on affinity friendships. Sure. I would also push back a little bit, though, and say that if you were truly like in a space of loneliness where you've yeah. explored, you've been lonely through pandemic or you've For been sure. lonely through any particular season, that actually affinity is the place to start because That's interesting. say you're... Um, Say your child is is a special needs child, or you, you have a baby who's born with a deformity. Like finding the Facebook group of other people who are suffering the same thing. Yep, it's very specific, but it's very encouraging. Or if me, I love you people who have babies, and I can I can be affinity. Like I can still talk to you, <laughs> but <laughs> but I actually like my heart needs people who I can talk to about like the raising adolescents yeah. or teenagers. Right. And I don't, I think that if you are truly lonely and yeah. you've been in a lonely spot for a while, yep. that you should actually start by looking for someone in the affinity group that yeah. you're in and who might be facing the same struggles. Yes. And then, and then move outward. And like, also I feel like within your vegetable context, like there's like the a meat, but like, are you only eating bacon? So <laughs> I like my metaphors too. <laughs> yeah. Um, so there are other meats mm-hmm. that may be totally different than what you're eating, but are still in the, like, like in the same life stage as you, but maybe they have a yeah. totally different perspective. Like, yep. like our friends who just came, they're coming from Texas. Um, mm-hmm. So there's, there's just, there's a different cultural perspective that makes us not like identical we're not yeah. both bacon so we're still learning yeah, we're still diversifying um our perspectives um but uh yeah so i'm not saying we yep. shouldn't but that's my that's my caveat thinking about um loneliness yes so the question is who nuances the nuancers and the answer is Emily. I agree with you. And I wouldn't even consider that to be pushback. I think you're just kind of playing out the implications of an analogy that clearly caught your ear. So I'll take the win on that one. And yes, so later on in the sermon, I encourage people and this is I understand that I was treading in sensitive waters when I said this, if you're really lonely, and can feel kind of defeated and have a track record even of some hurts related to trying to form friendships and it just doesn't work. I tried to articulate, be strong in the gospel and take courage to, to continue to take those risks, to seek to make connections. But yeah, when you're really lonely, it makes sense to take baby steps and Maybe not baby steps is the right phrase, but but take take 
make the steps manageable as opposed to trying to take the steepest step possible. And when you're when you're down and out, when you're lonely, finding people that are in similar ages, stages, affinities makes all the sense in the world. So I'm on board. I agree. <laughs> I thought you right, would because I'm right, you know, so. Um, and, anyway. No comment. <laughs> any other true. any other mudding the waters things that you were trying to engage? Wanting people to reach up and reach out. I, I hope that this is a sermon that will actually, or I hope this every week. I hope the sermon will make a difference. And part of the part of the quixotic nature of of preaching is and i think i still have faith and optimism here that every sunday that i go into the pulpit i want to preach and i don't think this is just ego talking i want to preach the best sermon in the world um simply because i want people to believe in jesus and and, and because you're ego driven <laughs> and then or i i, I want to walk you into desire pulpit every to do the best you have a you do have like a there, there's something thinking but, yeah go ahead <laughs> <laughs> you go into the pulpit think, thinking this this is going to be the most maybe not best sermon in the world but but this is going to be every sunday that i preach is this is the most important sunday ever for me to preach that being said i am hopeful in a more specific way that a sermon like this will give people some encouragement well, well, speak to people in their loneliness, give people encouragement to reach out and connect more, and actually build community connection and gospel friendships in our midst. So, so try to give some genuine push there and motivation. Last thing I'll say about Muddying the Waters, um, there was a little bit that I said in the middle of the sermon about talking about why community is good and questioning some of the secular and materialist foundations for why we think community is good. There's got to be more to the rationale and reason for community than a simple evolutionary developmental perspective where it, it actually is self-serving the success and propagation of our line by forming community that 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 that's not a super hopeful reason for right. why we do community but in some ways the secular story that that's, that's the village. best that we can get yeah With, so so all that is to say it's the scriptures that better buttress some of our deepest intuitions when it comes to community sure and i think the people who say it's a it takes a village are actually are actually speaking to the 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 same truth that that we need support. Yeah, it's, it's the image of God barking. I wonder what I wonder what Latin for barking is. Amago. <laughs> I'm looking at you like, are you actually wondering? Or you are actually barking, wondering. Yeah. <laughs> okay, I'll, I'll work on that for next time. I have my homework. Bar band cover tunes. You've already addressed a couple. Mm -hmm. You you sang Simon Gar Garfunkel for oh, us. Oh yeah. We don't need to go there again. Yeah. And the Atlantic article. Right. Um. It's your friends that break your heart. Yeah. So we have that. I've I've used a lot recently the Robert Stone quote, are having each other is both the good news and and, and the bad. I've I've mentioned to people over the years that that when when pastors are feeling surly, they'll often say, The best part about my job is people. But you know, wanna know yeah, what the yeah, worst part yeah, of my job yeah. is? Blah, blah. Then also from the Jennifer Senior article just to mention it one more time, there was a Pew study last fall that found that 38% of Americans now say they feel less close to friends they know well 
during, hmm. during the pandemic. Hmm. That, that, that was a stat that stuck right. with me. Also, was going to mention some John Mark Comer. I think I, I think I cut it for the sake of time. And then Rusty George, the Better Together Doing Community book that we use as a skeleton outline for both home meeting programming and sermon programming last year. A, a really a, a quote that caught my eye then, and it was fun to, to go back to talking about how, yes, friendship is risky, and we can be let down by our friends, but do you know who else was let down by his friends? Jesus. Mm-hmm. And so yep. pretty strikingly, compared to Jesus, the disciples were a bunch of chumps like we are, but Jesus continually sought friendship with people that were not worthy of his friendship, people that deserted him, people that betrayed him in the case of Jesus. And so let not the servant be above the master. So thanks, Rusty. Hope you're doing well. And yeah, that's what we had for Barbara and Covert Cover Tunes. Th- thanks for noticing the Simon and Garfunkel. And that's all I got. You also quoted yourself when you were oh. saying what drew you to Liberty Callings when you asked people that. And oh. you like frequently <laughs> say... First of all, you frequently say, "Come on, was is that is that a Curb reference? Is that a Curb?" No, quote? that's that's a uh, Joe Bluth from Rested Development. Okay. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. thanks. That's uh, a little <laughs> farther <laughs> And then you quoted yourself Thank by you. saying, "I actually want to be a member of this church." Yeah, yeah, yeah. You say that all the time. Yep. Hair club for men. <laughs> um, and then oh, I wanted to say that it. This is like I. Uh, this is not a. Wait, let me look. Uh, Eric introduced you by saying, come on up, bud, which, uh, first of all, I just, yeah. I do think it's funny that both of you call each other buddy. That's very funny. But it is a, it was like a gospel friendship thing. I just, it was, <laughs> to me, it was funny. Eric's awesome. Love you, man. Me. Um, And I had one more. Uh, it was funny giving the joke about how I'll fish for people to say, hey, was it the sermons that drew you to Liberty Collegeswood? No, no, it's a community. Happens no. over and over mm-hmm, again. Mm-hmm. It's fine. Oh, you mentioned I'm not bitter. I. You also used the tech by going from the song on the AM FM radio to oh this, yeah, this that was fun. Set CD Napster. Napster was the one that got me. Where I was like, oh Napster. <laughs> I didn't use Napster, but I just like Napster. <laughs> what happened to Napster? <laughs> where did you go, Joe <laughs> Napstero? Uh, so. Oh, oh, oh! Also, you referenced you the got? smoke break at the passing the peace oh, yeah. delivery ceremony, which I thought was a good illustration of where we've come from. Right. So, so the very early days of of Liberty Fairmount, the the first Liberty Church, and when we visited a few times, the passing of the peace felt like perhaps the longest element of the service. Where at Liberty Collingswood, it's only ninety to one hundred and twenty seconds, and it's because the entire church went outside to have a cigarette together. They did. There was like, weren't there like snack? It was like your snack time. You were like, you were going and delivering your kids to nursery, but part right. of that was like you're catching up with your friends in the yeah. hallway. <laughs> Just totally. <laughs> and then the smoke breaks. Yeah, it caught us off off guard, like. You know, usually people stay for the sermon, but in this case, they just, it was a mass exodus. It took me a little while to figure that out. Right. Um, I, good old days. I like the long passing of the piece for the concept of actually having a conversation, mini, Mm. mini conversation with someone, but some people don't feel that way. Um, Guitar Slim Pickens, and that's par- partially the, that's kind of trivia. Yep. Uh, anything else though? Any leftovers? There, there were two things that I cut out of the sermon for time 
in real time. And you're going to get them now. That I, well, that's why we, one of the reasons why we have the Sermon Debrief podcast, because we can, we can go back to stuff. The, when I was giving the information and detailing how with this psalm that it's externally vague about external circumstances for the, the psalmist in Psalm 88, but internally or emotionally vivid, I was just going to give a brief mention to the fact that the scriptures, including the Old Testament, are masterful at giving rich pictures of the interior lives of human beings, which is actually really unique for the ancient world. So when you compare the Psalms of David, for example, with what you see described as the interior as interior lives in Iliad, Odyssey, Aeneid, the the characters in those stories and in those traditions, even Greek tragedy, to a pretty large extent too, the characters are pretty wooden. Hmm. Um, but but when you go into the scriptures, you see dark nights of souls and real wrestling mm-hmm. w- windows in. And to me, that's another reason that I find the scriptures compelling and even inspired that, that, that they're historically unique and ahead of the curve because God inspired it in terms of detailing interior life. And it's been said that St. Augustine around 400 AD, his Confessiones, the Confessions, was the first autobiographical memoir in the history of the world. Mm-hmm. And so Interior Life brought to you by Christianity. And then I was also going to talk a little bit midway through the second part of the sermon about the connection that I find. And I haven't seen a lot of reporting and recording about this as we continue to think through people deconstructing their faith and deconverting from Christianity. In my opinion, an underreported part of the story is that preceding deconversion is a pretty dramatic shift in community mm-hmm. where people that are in the process of deconverting before they say I don't identify as a Christian have already pretty dramatically switched their value assignations of community where instead of the church being your spouse that you're proud of that you're thankful for that you're really grateful for these brothers and sisters those aren't the friendships that we value. And the people at church sort of become the crazy aunts and uncles that you're kind of embarrassed by. Mm-hmm. And it's it, it's the secular friends that, 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 that pull more weight, mm-hmm. I think, in terms of who we want to be. Yeah, so that's, yeah. All, that's all I have to say about that. But, but I was going to encourage people, hey, one of the things as to why it's so important to be in Christian community and have gospel friendships is because it's a, it's a guard and a protector against deconverting from the faith completely. So hmm. didn't have time to, sure. to, to go into that. And then two more like su- super g- slim guitar, slim pickings. We had a great time. We mentioned earlier with some out of town friends staying with us over the weekend. It was midnight on Saturday that we realized that this was a spring <laughs> forward weekend. And it, it was sort of a sinking feeling like, oh, really? It's this. Wait, we, we did not plan our evening well. You so, did not plan your evening yeah, well. Sunday morning came early. No, no. And then also, I just wanted to clarify, I really am a mathematics major and Ph.D. holder. <laughs> <laughs> That's all.
Um, yeah. The, I actually was also going to mention that, but apparently you Boom. just beat you to wanted it. Wanted to be there. Uh, Howlin' Wolves? Any Howlin' Wolves? No, no one. Couple of oh, people are talking different things. <laughs> so, wanted to say that, and this could change. I'm meeting with Eric later today. It's possible that we won't have a podcast next week, so I'll be out of town. A contingent of Liberty Pastors is going to Oklahoma City because, number one, it's great this time of year. And number two, <laughs> yeah, we are amazing. visiting with, with the, the Frontline Church in Oklahoma City, a, a, a dear sister church of ours. So we're going to hang out, learn, and do community, pray with, pray for, learn from our brothers and sisters at frontline church there eric is going to be preaching but i'm getting back late enough next week sure. that i just don't think we'll have time sure. to maybe he to record maybe carrie carrie should interview him oh <laughs> actually I, I would listen <laughs> i might bring that up at staff meeting today let's i would let, totally let's listen goes. i'm all over that sorry carrie okay. <laughs> well and then also just wanted to say that Thanks for all of the, the the most feedback that I've ever gotten on a single podcast. Candy, candy, candy. Have maybe has been well. I I would include Kelly Dalrymple, the first Five Golden Things podcast, and then the Candy podcast with Pat McAdams from 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 last week. So when the new Five Golden Things drops this Friday, and it will be. My interview with our daughter Clara, which you is guys, be pretty hilarious. It, it is, it is solid. <laughs> if you listen to nothing else in the for the yeah. rest of your life, she is solid. So, so got a lot of candy feedback this this past week that that uh-huh. will also be yeah be detailing. If you think that I'm hard on Jim, <laughs> yeah, I, I was totally, I, I was Yeah, I was scattered, I, smothered, actually, and covered. Actually, if I ever need another sub, I could just use Clara here in the seat to like uh interrogate him about his sermon totally i I was shrimp on the barbie (laughs) and so last thing i wanted to mention um so so we we've been talking a a, a fair amount about what's going on in ukraine it's dominating headlines and all of that sort of thing i was also happy at the beginning before the sermon started proper to keep on people's radars that the flooding that occurred in salima malawi where our Dear friends, brother and sister, Toko and Ishmael are are serving with Love Driven Ministries. We're, we're the sending church for these missionaries. We did send an email out that went out yesterday. They're still in an emergency situation mm-hmm. as it relates to flooding. So I want to give another mention there to keep Salima in prayers. And if you, somebody that listens to the podcast, but maybe not on our mailing list, totally fine. You can sign up for our mailing list, libertycollingswood.org, but then also reach out to me directly, jim at liberty.org to get the link to give towards Salima. Yeah, it's really a concrete it. way to show friendship to someone. Gospel friendship across the country it's or not, across the yeah, Not in our affinity group because they're they're really living a different life, so yeah. it's important to yep. keep that in mind. Um, good stuff, guys. <laughs> I'm not supposed to say guys. Sorry. <laughs> That's a nut that inside thing, but <sighs> so Jim is Jim is sighing at me now. What? <laughs> and with that, how was it? That was amazing. 
Thanks so much for joining us. This has been the Post-Sunday Blues, a preaching post-mortem, a production of Liberty Collingswood. Go ahead, rate, review, and subscribe, and you can find all things Liberty Collingswood at libertycollingswood.org. No more Post-Sunday Blues. Here comes some pre-Sunday happy. Mm-hmm.